0: you pray with me? God, we love you. God, I just pray that you'd calm my heart, that you'd clear my agenda, that you would speak clearly through me. God, that you would clear the minds of the people in this room and open their hearts so they could receive your truth and your word. God, for us to have woke up and taken showers and brushed our teeth and eaten breakfast and to have come to church and worshipped you and sang some songs and leave not allowing you to do anything would be such a waste of time so god this morning we're just we're asking and we're begging and pleading that your voice of truth would just fall on us god that it would not be any of my words that they hear but it'd be your truth the kind of truth that changes us from the inside out god we love you be with this service in your name we pray amen This morning we're going to continue our series called The Bible. Uh, It's based on the mini-series on the History Channel. How many of you guys have had a chance to watch that? A lot of us, that's great. If you didn't, it'll air, uh, the second part of it airs tonight on the History Channel, and then again on Monday, and then again on Wednesday, and uh, if you need to know times or what channel it's on, I believe it's Lifetime and History Channel, you can see guest services, Uh, they'll get you all that information, and maybe you're here this morning, and you're kind of like me, you don't have cable at home, we've decided to put our money somewhere else, and uh, you're not able to watch it, because it's only coming on cable. You can also see guest services, because there's people in our church who have opened their home, and uh, would love to experience that with you. And so, I want to encourage you to tune in, uh, whether it be at someone else's home or your home, and really see um, what this series is doing. The purpose of this series is to reconnect um, us to the stories of the Bible. And uh, the thing I love most about stories is that in every story, there's a truth to be found and a lesson to be learned. Have you ever thought about that? Every story you and I engage in, uh, there's a truth to be found and there's a lesson to be learned. And see, the reality is, every one of us here this morning. Desires and we're looking for a good story. Uh, I'm not much of a reader of the book uh, of books, but but I love. Uh, I'm looking for a good story in everything. Whether I'm scrolling through the feed of my Facebook and in, in search of a good story, or I'm flipping through the TV channels, I'm looking for that TV show that just captures me, and it's a story where I can connect with the character. Um, maybe it's a story in a conversation with a friend. Uh, I happen to have a little bit of an addiction with ESPN on my phone, and so I'm constantly looking for the next. Big Big story, maybe the Dolphins are finally going to sign somebody to help us win, or the Miami Heat continue their 17-game streak. We're all looking for a story. You see, stories shape our lives. Stories help us shape our lives. We can't deny that this morning. You see, our search for stories goes so much further than just to be entertained. In fact, I read a story is how we figure things out. A story is the language of our hearts. Stories shed light on our lives, and stories are the equipment for living. You and I are hoping that someone's story will help us learn and figure out our own story. You see, I love God's word. And and when I was younger, I used to think God's word was just a book full of definitions. Uh, I went to a Christian school, and uh, every time we were encouraged to read the Bible at school, it was based on you need to learn this so that you can pass a test. And so I started treating the Bible like it was just definitions and terms, and it was a bunch of kings beating other kings, and it was people taking other people, and and it was just a bunch of things that didn't say anything to me. And I started to think, this is nothing more than just a, a bunch of words and a bunch of terms, but as I have began to really understand who Jesus is in my life, and, and my desire to know him has increased, I began to see the Bible so much bigger than a bunch of information. The Bible's full of stories, and those stories tell you and I everything we ever need to know about living this life to glorify God, amen? There's not one thing you and I go through on a day-to-day that's not already been tackled in the Bible, and the Bible's described this way in Hebrews, it describes it as living and active, being sharper than any two-edged sword. You see, I want you to understand something. This morning, we're gonna tackle the story of Rahab, And I want you to understand, this story may have been written thousands and thousands of years ago, but the Bible is alive and well, and it is active this morning. And I believe her story has so much to do with our story. I believe there's so much we can learn from the story of Rahab, where we can leave going, wow, because I took time to engage in that story, it has shed so much light on mine. It's given me so much hope to understand what mine's about. You see, even though, again, this story was a long time ago, you and I can find something very truthful from this story why because the bible is living and active amen and so what i want to do this morning is i just want to in my own words read for you the story of rahab And I just want you to get your mind around this story. I want you to begin to identify with what's happening here. I want you to identify with the characters. And then we're going to slowly unpack this together. And my prayer is by the end of this morning, you can leave saying, wow, because of Rahab, my story makes so much more sense for who I am today. In the book of Joshua, the Lord was set to fulfill his covenant to the Israelites as they were approaching the end of the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. They would enter the promised land, but in order for that to happen, they had to conquer the most heavily fortified city in the entire land, Jericho. The people of Jericho were also being punished by by God for extreme sinfulness. Moses had died and Joshua had been appointed as the new leader. Joshua sent two spies to to go and look at the land to take over possession of it. He told the two spies to focus especially on Jericho. There they hid in the house of a prostitute named Rahab. Rahab hid the spies under some stalks of flax and on her roof when the king sent her a message asking her to bring the men out of her home, she protected them by saying that they had been there but she didn't know where they came from and they had left at dusk. She told the pursuers to hurry so that they might catch up with the spies. Once the city gates was closed for the night, she went to the roof to speak with the spies. She told them that she knew of the miraculous things the Lord had done for them and that her people were terrified of them. She understood that their God was the God of heaven and above and on earth below. She then asked the men to swear by the Lord that they would show her kindness to her family as she has shown kindness to them by sparing them from death. In order to spare her life and the lives of her family, the spies instructed her to hang a scarlet cord from her window. And as promised, Joshua instructed the spies to go in and remove Rahab and her family from harm in accordance with the oath that was made. Joshua spared Rahab and her family, and Rahab went on to live with the Israelites and become part of the family tree of Jesus as the great-grandmother of the King David. Folks, I don't know if you could wrap your mind around as I'm reading that, but it's a pretty amazing story. God chose to use a prostitute to get his covenant fulfilled. God chose to use a prostitute to get his people to the promised land. God chose a woman who probably wasn't, didn't take much mention. People probably didn't even know much about her. She probably didn't mix with the most popular people. Uh, she was a prostitute, meaning she probably lived more at the lowliest level than she did at the real extreme. And the people that knew her probably weren't much better than even maybe she was and I want you to understand something that God chose to use a prostitute to become a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ if it were not for Rahab the rest of the story could have never been told and I want you to hear this and I want you to see this because the biggest thing I want you to get out of is God can use all people to proclaim his name amen God can use all people, no matter where you are in life, no matter what your walk looks like. God wants to use you right here, this morning. He's not waiting for you to change to know him. He's not waiting for you to figure things out. He simply wants to take you right where you are and set you up and give you a plan and give you a purpose. And in this case, this woman, again, a prostitute, became the great grandmother of the King David, who ultimately would go on to give us Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. Again, if God can use a prostitute, what makes you think he can't use you this morning? Amen. I just want to share with you three things that I believe uh, will connect our story to the story of Rahab. Number one, Rahab's world was headed for destruction. Rahab's world was destined to be ruined. She kind of was at the point in her life where she felt like her back was against the wall, if you will. She was at a place in her world where, without a doubt, she knew everything she had ever known and everything she had ever tried to accumulate and everything she'd ever put her trust and belief in was about to come to a screeching halt. She knew that her world, as she knew it, was about to come tumbling down, literally. She knew something serious was about to happen. And the reason she knew this was not because tens of thousands of Israelites were camped out around the city of Jericho. That's not why she knew. In fact, scriptures tell us a lot of people knew. But she understood it was something bigger than that. She understood it was something much larger than that. And she says to him, listen, I'm saying to you, I believe in your God. She's going, listen, I I understand that my world's coming for destruction. And she was at a place in her life when she said, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Uh, and I want you to understand something this morning. The, the city of Jericho wasn't a little city. It wasn't a little place. And so just because people were camped out outside of their city didn't mean that they, in the past, would ever even have cared. In fact, Jericho was, was a well-fortified place. It was taken care of, and, and they were said to be a wicked nation, meaning it didn't matter what was happening. It didn't matter what people thought. They were going to continue to do whatever they wanted to do. They almost thought they were invincible, and I wonder how many of us can, can relate to that part of the story this morning. I wonder how many of us can relate to that. Maybe we, we've gone for so long without anybody ever even really knowing what's happening in our world. We almost feel like it's no big deal. But for Rahab, it was so much bigger than that. She was at a place in her life where she knew it was over because God himself was coming. She knew there was nothing else she could do. She wasn't going to keep pretending like she was invincible. She was at a place with her back against the wall going, listen, God himself is on his way. Listen to what it says in Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 9. It says, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea, for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og and the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven and above and on earth below. Rahab had no question. She had no doubt that God was coming. And folks, I want us to understand something, neither should we. Rahab had no doubt in her mind that God was coming. And neither should we, folks. You and I need to understand that God's kingdom is coming. The world we live in is coming to an end. The only end this world has is utter destruction. Just a few weeks ago, Shane and I were sitting in Pizza Hut, and I was watching the TV there, and across the bottom came meteorite hits the United or hits 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 our world, and I, and I thought, Wow, that's kind of crazy. I was like, wow, that, that, that's cool. Is it like just a little piece? Is that what happened there? And, and I didn't know anything about it. And then I began to see in the story unpacked that 1,100 people uh, were injured and harmed through this event. And I was talking to Al, one of the tech guys here, and Shane, the, one of the worship guys here. And, and they were explaining to me if that thing would have just been a little bit bigger and a little bit closer, it would have changed the world as we knew it. And so something that I thought was just this little thing was huge. And so I, I got intrigued, and I went back, and I began to read about this. And one of the articles hit me. It said that, one of the pe- that all the people in Russia were screaming and yelling It's here. It's time. The world is coming to an end. It literally said it like three or four times to build the emphasis. And I want you to see that. The people were screaming, the world is coming to an end. I want you to hear something. The people in Russia got it right. This world is coming to an end. This world is going to end with utter destruction. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. Amen? It's going to happen. And the world that we know is going to end. The world that we're so aware of is headed for destruction. Look at Matthew 24. It says, Immediately after the distress of these days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will give its light. The star will fall from sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming of the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In 32 it says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it's near. In fact, it's right at your door. The king is coming and you and I need to recognize what side we are on and live that. We need to recognize what side we are on and live that. Rahab came to a place in her world where she realized no matter how strong the walls seemed and no matter how much they've gotten away with and no matter how much she was comfortable in her setting, she was at a place where she understood it was about to unleash. It was about to unfold and everything as she knew was about to come crumbling, crumbling down. You see folks, even though we're thousands of years later, this story is just like ours. This world that we know is coming to an end. And I want to challenge you this morning, stop living for this world. Stop living for, stop thinking that your health or your wealth or your popularity or the things you've accumulated or your family or whatever it is that takes all of your attention and all of your thoughts, stop thinking that that's what matters and start realizing all of those things are destined to be destroyed. All of those things are going to fade away and we're either going to cling to it and die with it or we're going to cling to the hope that Jesus is the king of kings, and we will live it, amen? Brings me to the second point, Rahab acted on her belief. You see, it's not enough just to say you see it and know the world's coming to an end, but we have to act on that belief. Uh, again, according to the scriptures, a lot of people knew what God was doing. She wasn't the only one that was privy to the information that he was parting the seas. She was not the only one that knew they were conquering people. She was not the only one that knew that kings and kingdoms were being divided. Everybody in the city knew that, and a lot of people were aware. In fact, in scripture, it says that their hearts were melting in fear because of what they knew God was doing. But Rahab was the only one, scripture tells us, out of everybody in in the city of Jericho, she was the only one that acted on her belief. She was the only one that acted on her belief. James chapter 2, in the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by actions, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in different directions? Again, in Hebrews, it says in chapter 11, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies and was not killed with those who who refused to obey God. Folks, I, I don't want you to read these verses and think, well, the only thing that matters is my works. No, we're not talking about salvation. We believe that salvation is attained only by the grace of Jesus this morning. But here's what I want you to understand. This is what I believe James is saying. He's going, listen, Christians in the room, it's not enough just to say you believe it's coming to an end. It's not enough just to say that you think the world and you believe that it's coming to an end, but you have to actually live out of that belief. You need to put some walk to your talk. You need to stand up and say, you know what? I'm not gonna just think it. I'm gonna live it and I'm gonna be it. He's communicating, hey, if you really honestly believe that jesus is the source of everything and you really believe that jesus died and conquered the rose again and conquered the grave and you believe that he lives in you and you lack nothing because of that you and i shouldn't just sit here and go yeah we believe it but we're going to keep doing everything we've always done no we're going to stand up and we are going to act out that belief man i work with teenagers mostly and i see it all the time a teenager will come down and they'll accept Jesus, and then two weeks later, they're back to being who they always were. And I constantly have to come back in and say, guys, I want you to understand something. When Jesus entered your life, you became sufficient Man, his grace is sufficient for you. You became equipped with everything you need. And and I try to help them understand that God's called them to live life well beyond what they're living. And I want to challenge you with that same thought. Those of you who know Jesus and Jesus knows you, you lack nothing. And he's not asking you just to believe the world's coming to an end. He's asking you to stand up and take some action and put your belief into action. I've heard it said the word faith is described as belief in action. Rahab acted on her belief, and I believe she did it three ways. Number one, she shows faith by allowing the spies in her home. She shows faith by allowing the spies in her home. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent out two spies from Acacia and said to them, go and look at the land, particularly at the city of Jericho. So the men went to Jericho, and they stayed at the house of the prostitute named Rahab. Second way she shows faith is she shows faith by protecting them. She shows faith by protecting them. Joshua chapter two and verse three. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house. They have come to spy our whole land. But the woman had hidden the two men and she said, they did come here, but I didn't know where they came from. In the evening when it was time to close the city gate, they left and I don't know where they went. But if you go quickly, maybe you can catch them. The woman had taken the men up to the roof and hidden them there under the stalks of flax that she had spread out. So the king's men went out looking for the spies on the road that leads to the crossing of the Jordan River. The city gates were closed just after the king's men left the city. So she she shows faith first by being willing to to take them in. She shows faith secondly by being willing to protect them. And third, she puts her her faith into action and says, listen, I'm going to declare who God was. She shows faith by declaring who God was Joshua two eleven says, "For the Lord, your God is God in heaven above and on earth below and I want you to understand something. these three things meant rejection of everything she knew. In fact, uh, Eastern customs tell us that in order for her to to reject the king, it meant a whole lot. When the king came to her and said, this is what I want, give me the men. And for her to say, no, I'm not gonna do that was much bigger than maybe us going against what we think we should do. In fact, in those days, the king was kind of like the supreme being. Everybody wanted their approval and they did whatever they could do to appease them and please them and make sure that they just did everything they wanted. And so for her to turn her back on her country was to give up every single thing she ever knew. And she was placing her allegiance in the, in the Israelites and in God and going, Listen, I'm going to be a betrayer to the world I know because I believe in the power of God this morning. <clears throat> when it comes to the spies visiting her home, that was not by chance. I, I love the video. It was creative and artistic, but it didn't pit- depict the story well. Nowhere in Scripture does it give us the idea that they held hostage her home and her family so that they could get in. No, I believe it was the divine appointment of God for Rahab. And Rahab chose in that moment to never look back again. Her allegiance and her faith was going to be acted out. She was going with God. She was going with what God wanted, and nothing else was going to stand against her in that moment. Folks, you and I have to understand that our world is coming to an end. And God's called us to do so much more than believe it. He's called us to live it. He's called us to be it. And I wonder this morning, are our actions revealing the loyalty and, and the, the 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 loyalty and the respect that we have for the King of Kings? I wonder when people look at us, do they look at us and go, I know that their allegiance is in Jesus because of the way they live. The things they say, the places they go, the conversations they have, uh, the, the things they watch and they're a part of. I wonder if people look at our life and they go, listen, there's without a doubt that their loyalty and their allegiance is because of Jesus. Because our belief is actually being lived out in our life. You see, when we truly believe something, the natural response is to act it out. When we truly believe something, the natural response is to actually act it, act it out. Man, if I truly believe that in order for me to live a long life, I have to eat well and exercise. If I really believe that that brings longevity to my life, then I'm going to act that out in the way I actually eat and the things I partake in. I'm going to do those things. If I truly believe that that is what's going to help me further my life, I would be a fool not to actually live that. And it's the same way in the scriptures, you and I need to say, you know what, it's not just something I'm going to believe, it's something I'm going to be. You see, belief only becomes faith when we get up and do something about it. Belief only becomes faith when we get up and do something about it. Man, it begins with your heart, with what your heart believes if your heart believes that Jesus conquered the grave, if your heart believes that he can do anything through you, if your heart really gets that and really understands that, if your heart really believes like we saying, if our God is for us, nothing can be against us, if it really believes us, then why are we just believing it and not actually getting up and living it? Rahab understood world was coming to an end, but she didn't just sit and go my world's coming to an end and I believe that she said i'm going to do something. I'm going to put my feet in motion, and I am going to live out what God wants me to do. Folks, I wonder this morning, <clears throat> how are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? Have you just taken a hold of Jesus and said, I got, to get, I got my get out of hell free card, and I'm good. I got express pass to heaven. I'm good. Or are you sitting here going, I really believe that he's the king of kings, And I really believe that his ways are better than my ways. And I really believe that he knows the plans that he has for me. And their plans to set me up with a future. I really believe that. Because if you really, really, really believe that, nothing could stop you from living that. Amen? Church, we've been called to be more than just believers. We've been called to live, to live out who God is in us. Thirdly this morning, and finally, Rahab was saved by grace. Rahab was saved by grace. <clears throat> In the end, Rahab was not spared her and her family's life because of what she did. But rather, she was saved by the mercy of God. Hear that again. In the end, Rahab was not saved by what she did. She was saved because of the mercy of God. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 12, So now, the promise, me before, now promise me before the Lord that you will show kindness to my family just as I show kindness to you. Give me some proof that you will do this. Allow my father, mother, brother, sister, and all their families to live. Save us from death. The men agreed and said, It will be our lives for your lives if you don't tell anyone what we're doing. When the Lord gives us the land, we'll be kind and true to you. Joshua 2.18, When we return to this land, you must tie this red rope in the window through which you let us down. Bring your father, mother, brother, and all your family into your house. If anyone leaves your house and is killed, it is his own fault. We cannot be responsible for him. If anyone in your house is hurt, we will be responsible. But if you tell anyone about this, we shall be free from the oath we made with you. Rahab answered, I agree to this. So she sent them away, and they left, and then she tied the red rope in her window. God gave Rahab a way out. God provided Rahab a rescue plan. She was given a scarlet cord to spare her and her family's lives chapter six joshua chapter six joshua saved rahab the prostitute of her family and all who were with her because rahab had helped the men who had sent to spy out jericho rahab still lives among the israelites today rahab and her family were saved and given a new life with the israelites she would go on to be a critical part in the lineage of jesus i've said this several times because i want you to understand something this wasn't just a normal this wasn't just a little story This is a huge story. This is a woman who was destined for death, who was met by a sovereign God who showed grace and mercy and protected her and saved her. And he didn't just protect her and save her and send her on her way. He protected and saved her and set her up on a path that gave her hope and a future, gave her purpose and a plan. Folks, it's this very same thing he wants to do for you and I. You see, Rahab and her family, they didn't need to save themselves. They didn't need to take up sword and go fight in the battle of all the Israelites. They didn't need to to go hide in a corner and hope everybody leaves before they noticed they were there. They didn't have to do that. All they had to do was trust in God and hang that scarlet rope, and God took care of the rest. All they had to do was drop that rope and God was going to take care of the rest. And I want you to understand this because it's a pretty cool phenomenon for me as I'm thinking this through. Right? We know that on the seventh day, the walls of Jericho fell down. And we also know that the prostitute Rahab, her home was literally in the wall. And so if you can kind of process what I processed, I'm picturing this little part of the wall. The Bible tells us nobody else made it out of Jericho, Nobody else made it through Jericho. Okay, so I want you to understand something. Everybody else is gone. Utter destruction. And in the middle of the wall is this little piece of wall that's standing firm with a little scarlet rope hanging out of it with a family who has life. Folks, I want you to understand something. God gave them a rescue plan. God gave them hope. He protected them. He showed himself faithful, and all they did was trust him by dropping a cord and letting him do the rest. I don't know if you're like me, but <clears throat> if I were her in those days and the spies came to me and said, hey, here's a, here's a red cord, this will be your safety net, this is what you can do, and uh, we'll take care of you and you put this on there. I have to be like, hey, can you guys give me a gun? Can you give me a sword? Can you give me something? I don't know if this little red cord is going to do it for me. I, I think I would begin to challenge, okay, so you're telling me no one's going to make it out of here. You've parted the seas, right? You've killed kings and kingdoms. You've done all these things and you're giving me a strand and a cord. You see, folks, God's just looking at us and he's going, listen, just trust me. Put the scarlet cord over your window and let me do the rest. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to give another plan. Don't create another agenda. Just trust in me. you see, folks, a little over 2,000 years ago, God gave us a rescue plan too. He sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life for 33 years, who ultimately took the worst punishment and pain in the world. In fact, the Bible describes him to be so worried and so so just distraught that he literally sweat drops of blood. And he was so, so frustrated. He didn't know what was going to happen. And, and I remember reading in the Bible, and he says, listen, God, I don't want this to happen. Please let this pass from me. Don't make me do this. And he goes, but most importantly, I want what you want. I'm trusting you and I'm gonna let you do the rest. I'm trusting you and I'm gonna let you do the rest. And he went on with it and he, if it, he gave his life for you and I, for every sin we ever think about committing and every sin we do commit, he gave his life for that. And all he's asked you and I to do is believe in him. And he says, let me do the rest. Just believe in me and let me do the rest. The Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. You see, folks, he hung his hands on that cross, and he shed his scarlet blood, not for you just to believe it, but for you to believe it, know it, and be it, and understand that this world is coming to an end, but Jesus is the king of kings. Just as he conquered the grave, will return, and you and I, who have put our trust and our hope in him, he promises to take care of the rest. Amen? God is in control. He knows his plans. He's not surprised by anything. He's not surprised by meteorites. He's not surprised by the foolishness of this world. The only thing he's asking us to do is not try to control it, think about it, mediate it, all he's asking us to do is cling to the hope of that scarlet cord. Cling to the hope of the blood of Jesus and understand that through that, we'll be just fine and taken care of. How do we know? Again, it's simple. Put your faith in him, the kind of faith where belief and action go together. Folks, it's not enough just to say we believe it. I want you to hear that. Church, it's not enough just to say we believe it. It's not enough just to get that get out of hell free card and put it in our pocket and go we're good. That's not the Christian life. God's desire and hope for us is so much bigger than that. Man, the plans he has for us are so much bigger than that. And he's simply asking us just to trust in him and let him do the rest. Again, if God could use a prostitute from a wicked nation who was damned to die, What it makes you think he can't and won't use you. Man, the story of Rahab gives me so much hope. The hope that God's not done. And his desire for us is to turn from our wicked ways, to be a traitor to the world as we know it, and to turn around and put our hope and our acknowledging the fact that he is the king of kings and live out the Jesus who lives in us. God's kingdom is coming. And we're called to do as Rahab did, put our allegiance in God and trust in him to do the rest. Folks, what's keeping you from finally turning your back on a world that's ending? I hope we've established that much this morning. So many of us get up every single day, including me sometimes, and I put my feet on the floor, and the only thing I'm concerned about is what I didn't do or what I'm supposed to do or what my agenda says or what my calendar says. And I really just have to be honest with you. God wants you to get out of bed, put your feet on the floor, and go, God, I have no agenda. I just want to be the hands and feet of you. I just want to love you with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my mind. And just like that, I want to love people. Folks, if you and I got out of bed with any other agenda, we're living for the world that's going to die. And he's going, listen, even really good things, the only thing I want you to be worried about is me. The only thing I want you to be concerned about is me. The only agenda I want you to worry about is mine. The only thing I want you to do is what I tell you to do and the places I put you to go. And I want you to understand something. The things that God's calling us to do are things that are going to benefit us. The Bible says he wants to give us the desires of our heart. Loving God and letting him control our life doesn't mean we have to go to a third world country, even though some of us will. Loving God and giving him control of our lives, meaning, God, I'm going to let you do what you want to do because your ways are so much bigger than my ways. Your plans have one result, and that's for me to have a future and a hope. Folks, I want you to get that. The world has one agenda. It's to kill, steal, and destroy you. But God says what? I want to give you life and life to the fullest. He says, I don't want to harm you and destroy you, but I want to give you hope and a future. Christians, it's time we take what we know and live it. It's time we stand up to the battle and say, you know what? It's not just about wearing the gear and believing it's going to happen. It's about understanding that God's called us for a mission, and that's to make him known to all people. Amen? Church, we believe it. But are we doing it? We believe it. We believe God's coming. Man, there's not a doubt in my mind that he's coming. But every day do I get up with that mindset going, I believe it so much, and it's so real, and it's so true to me. You can't control me. You can't tell me what to do. I don't care how cool the world is. I don't care what it has to offer me. You have no idea what my God's got to offer. You have no idea what he's going to do. You have no idea what he's got in store for me. Yeah, it might be a little hard right now, and I want you to hear that the Christian life is not easy, That's why it's the road less traveled. Man, if it was easy, everybody would be a believer. The Christian life is hard. Why? Because it's not just enough to believe. It's living out the belief. It's living out the Jesus in us. Folks, I challenge you this morning. What decision do you need to make right here, right now, to leave knowing that you're a part of a bigger story than the one you're writing on your own? What do you need to do this morning to know that you are a part of a bigger story than the one that you're writing on your own? God has already written the story. And I don't know about you, but at the end of the story, I know one thing for sure. He wins the battle. And I try to say that in every message because I think it's so easy for us to get caught up in the destruction of what we're going through and the hurt and the pain. Folks, wherever you are, know this. Those of you who put your trust in Jesus, he's already won everything you need to win. He's already taken care of. Yeah, let's clap a little bit. Let's get excited about who Jesus is. He's already taken care of those things. He's already set it to rest. He's already set it into motion. His story is already completed. And you are a part of something so much bigger than this little story you can write. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The day you and I chose to receive his grace, he wrote us into the greatest story that will ever be told. That's the book of Lamb, amen? That's the book of life this morning. You and I have hope. And if he used a prostitute, what makes him think? What makes you think he can't use you? Folks, it's time to get up and be the church. It's time to be the church. And I'm not talking at you. I'm talking right at me. John, it's it's time for you to stop saying these things and be these things. If you really believe he did those things and he's capable of doing those, if you really believe he's capable of those miracles, if you really believe that praying for someone is going to bring power, if you really believe that's true, then why are you not doing it? If you really believe there's hope, why are you not sharing it? If you really believe that he's the king of kings, he's the great I am and you are not, then it's time to step up. Prepare for battle and live out the Jesus who lives in you. Will you pray with me? God, we love you. God, I'm in awe that you would choose a sinner like me to proclaim your story. God, you chose us. We didn't choose you. The Bible says you chose us. And you set us up for a purpose. And God, my prayer this morning is wherever these people are in this room, whether they need to receive you for the first time. Maybe in their heart of hearts, this is the moment where you're speaking to them and it's finally becoming clear that your grace is sufficient for them. And there's nothing they can do to merit that. There's nothing they can do to earn it or receive it. They don't need to go fix it. They simply just need to believe it. The Bible again says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. And God, if that's someone in this room that they'd see me or one of the other pastors or, or someone they, they know in this room and they begin to ask the questions that could be the beginning of their story, the story, the best story ever told, the one where Jesus enters our life and changes us from the inside out. And God, my prayer goes out too for the Christians in the room. God, I pray that we would let go of the things of this world, that we let go of this world that somehow seems so strong, The walls seem unbreakable. We almost seem invincible in the midst of all of this. I pray that we're reminded that that world we know is coming to an end, but the God that we trust in has given us a rescue plan, and that rescue plan is the blood of Jesus. And God, the moment we receive that, we have been called to do so much more than just believe it. We've been called to act on it. We've been called to be the hands and feet of Jesus God, we love you. Continue to speak to us. God, may we make a decision that allows us to leave changed forever. God, my prayer is that we don't come in the same way we leave, but God, that we would let you wrestle with us, that we would let you change us from the inside out, recognizing that you can do anything with anyone. God, we love you. In your name we pray, amen.